The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Racepoint Group and Digital Influence, marketing services companies organized to help chief marketing officers in their new roles as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today I'll be talking about marketing innovation with Denise Schiffman, founder and principal of the marketing innovation consultancy Venture Essentials. Denise advises companies on how to reshape customer experience and better manage brand online through social media. Denise has worked with clients from Epson America, Kaiser Permanente, Microsoft, Condé Nast Traveler, ClickAbility, NVIDIA, and many others. Over her 23 years in marketing and management, Denise has launched more than 30 products responsible for more than $2 billion in revenue, run worldwide events, and rebranded a Fortune 500 company to grand industry accolades. Her expertise spans computers, software, and web technologies to advertising, branding, marcom, product marketing, and PR. Her first book, which I just finished and I think is fabulous, is called The Age of Engage. It has won awards from the National Best Books, Next Generation Indie Books, and the Axiom Business Book Awards. Denise keeps a blog at ageofengage.com. Hey, Denise, welcome to Market Edge. Hey, Larry, thank you for having me on the show, and thanks for that terrific introduction. (laughs) Hey, you know, I always like to talk to other authors because everybody has a different story behind your first book. You know, you never forget your first book, and yours is just terrific. Tell us the story behind why you wrote it, how you went about writing it, and, you know, sort of what the reaction has been to the book. That's true. The first book is really quite an experience. And for me, I had been a, a, a vice president at a big Fortune 500 company and then went and ran a startup. And when I left and went out on my own and started consulting, I was blogging, I was using wiki, wikis, I started using widgets, and it hit me pretty quickly that there is a massive amount of new technology, a new approach to marketing using that technology in a different way to reach our customer set or basically any of our audiences. And that if you're already in marketing, you're in a job, especially if you're a CMO, you're already running at 150 miles an hour, it's too hard to put your hands around all of this, to read all of the blogs, to learn everything you need to know, as well as do your current job. So I thought, I'll consolidate all of this into a book, um, and I'll use the background I have in marketing, the 20 years I have in marketing, as the basis for that and how we still be, you know, build unique value, but how we deliver that message and talk to our customers differently, how we approach the market differently using these technologies, using social media and the social web. And, of course, that sounded really easy when I thought about it, but it was a little harder putting, putting together a book than I thought it would be. <laughs> and it's been, well, I'm sure you've had that experience. 
And it's been, uh, I guess, 15, 16 months now since it hit the market, and it's done well. It's been very exciting to see the response to it and win the awards, of course. And, you know, have people email me and say, hey, I'm, I'm running my business based on the strategies in the book. Um, really appreciate you putting that together. So that's the fun part of writing a book. Hey, you know, um, of course. And what's amazing to me now, even in these in these economic challenging times, we're all of a sudden seeing, you know, social media programs just blossoming everywhere. And And I think the smarter companies are really starting to understand that there's a paradigm shift uh, that's happening. And I don't know if the money's coming from television or from, uh, you know, traditional uh, marketing expenditures. What's your view of this, the, the transition finally, I think, starting to happen? Well, we are seeing it pick up. And I think a part of it is that there are lots of examples now. We, lots of companies made their mistakes, and that was really about happening about two, three years ago, and those became very public. So everybody who held back and waited has been able to learn from the people who led, like Walmart, McDonald's, and Sony, who got out and made some, some errors and tripped over themselves. So I think maybe the conservative folks made some good decisions, but now that we've been reading about it, we've been seeing companies experience it, we're seeing you, you get such an immediate response from social media. You know if people like the contest or the program, or they, you know where you're making mistakes, you know if they like your product or your, your um, product rollout, your campaign, your new ad campaign. You get such good feedback so quickly uh, that it makes it easier to adopt social media, whether you're business-to-business or business-to-consumer. How do, how do you see your clients and organizations that are embracing social media organize around it? You know, we're seeing, you know, everybody from the marketing person to the PR person. We're finally starting to see a few, like, directors of social media or directors of content, but it seems a little bit all over the map right now. How are, how are you seeing sort of how it's organized for? I'm, I'm seeing the same thing as you are, Larry. I think we are all. It's, it's rather chaotic. I tend to work with companies that don't really have a social media presence yet and are trying to figure out the strategy, and I'm spending a lot of time educating management on being prepared to be more transparent. Um, It either starts out with it's in PR, and it's a PR person or PR management that's been working with bloggers, and they, they quickly understand this can't just be about bloggers. We have to go further. We have to have a presence on Facebook. And then or on Twitter or whatever the platform is, where we need a wiki because that's the, the market we're in and we want to collaborate with our customers. And so they start to pull in product marketing, um, and it grows from there. Or it's, it, you, what I'm finding is a fairly junior marketing person who's really starting to drive it and educate management and want it to happen and starting out with small programs, and they're seeing success and they're trying to figure out where to go from there. But I haven't met a company yet that first decided we'll hire a director or a VP of digital media, social media, and then we'll build a strategy and a program. That I haven't seen very much of. You know, it's funny. I, I would think your your company, Venture Essentials, is going to actually expand very quickly because what I've also noticed, and I love your sort of observation here because of your working with sort of, you know, before 
companies get involved with any kind of social media that a lot of them, even very sophisticated companies, have, haven't put st- taken the time to put the strategy together. Yet, in every other category of marketing, whether it be an ad campaign, a PR campaign, you know, direct marketing, market research, whatever, they spend the time, they get a strategy straight, they have the objectives, they know what the outcomes uh, are going to be before they start doing it. Yet, there's a lot of companies say, well, let's just try a little bit with Twitter or let's try a little bit with Facebook and, you know, minus a strategy. Why do you think? It's such a good point, Barry, and it's probably one of my biggest frustrations because I have um, talked to some very large, well-known corporations that went ahead and um, got a presence on Facebook and got a presence on Twitter and have done an, an absolutely abysmal job. They're regurgitating press releases on Facebook, which we know doesn't draw much of an audience. Um, They've built something they call a community, but it doesn't have true community aspects to it. Uh, There's no creativity. And I've even seen a highly creative company do social media without any creativity in it. So um, I'm really quite stunned by that kind of behavior. There's a lot of, and we've heard the statement a lot, it's, it's, old marketing being shoved through new boxes, you know, right. and they're looking at it as a new vehicle to do what they've always done, and it just doesn't work. Uh, you don't get the pickup that you deserve, and in fact, what I've tried to, to tell people is that it actually hurts your image. You have a great brand. It, it's high on Interbrand's list, and yet you're actually hurting yourself. You're, you're, where people go to see you online, they're getting disappointed. They're getting frustrated. They're surprised at what it actually looks and feels like, and I think that that's just a terrible mistake to make. I would argue that it is much more important not to be on Facebook than to do Facebook poorly. So, um, you know, I think that there's still a lot of education to do, and, and that's what I'm actually focused on now, right? I, I go in and I, I help companies understand this is an approach to the marketplace more than it is anything else. It's how you think about how you're going to communicate and interact and be real human beings inside a company instead of just a corporate facade, which is the way we all behaved for the last many years, tens of years, and the way I behaved early in my career. You put up that corporate facade and you stayed behind it. Now we have to be real people interacting and being transparent and being interesting and engaging. You know, part of it, uh, Denise, might be, too, that we're, you know, we really are in inning one in, in social media and that, you know, the, the traditional marketing that's sort of dominated the last 75, 80 years was able to build an infrastructure example. You know, when you'd advertise in Gourmet Magazine, you got the kit, right? The kit said, you know, we reach these many families, and this is how much money they make, and this is where they live, and this is how much they go out to eat, and this is how you're going to reach, and that's why we charge so much. And then, you know, cost per, you know, impressions and CPMs and all that. And we just don't have that nomenclature yet or that that uh, analytic. But I, I think it's going to come, don't you? I do think it's going to come. Uh, I think... CEOs and CMOs are getting much smarter now about demanding it, uh, about asking for the metrics and how are we going to measure, what are we going to measure, because it's a highly measurable business. Um, You just have to determine in in advance what exactly is you want to get from this campaign or this project or this blog or whatever it is, and then measure it and take the time to do that. Um, But I also think, you know, we're just at the the beginning of what this technology can do and what we're going to see. I often get asked, 
you know, what's going to happen to advertising, to television advertising? And my response is, well, we're always going to have television advertising, but it's going to also get a lot more social and a lot more personal because we now all have set-top boxes, and that's plugged into the Internet. And there isn't any reason why TiVo and Facebook can't connect. So it's all going to evolve in this direction of being social, behavioral, personal, um, where transparency is required and where companies get a lot more data that's real data they can use to make decisions versus we used to live our lives based on impressions, which is generally meaningless. It's, it's the opportunity of reach. It doesn't tell you exactly who read the ad in the magazine or saw the ad on TV and remembered you or learned something. So we really are moving to the age of that brands are going to be built on conversations and sets of dialogues that 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 we that companies have with their with their customers and their potential customers and those customers talking to one another I guess right Brands will be built on conversations but smart companies will know they're still in charge they don't right. have absolute control anymore, but they still define who they are and what differentiates them in the marketplace, and that's who draws their customer set and the people that they want to be conversing with. It helps you focus. It helps you def- really demands that you define who you are so that you can have a conversation. But it I is that, that conversation has become critically important, that feedback mechanism that we never really had. Um, I tell people I, t- I talk to all the time, you know, this is maybe 10 years ago, but I used to say, you know, let's do a customer survey. And a group of experts would show up in my office the next week and we'd hammer out what the survey questions would be. And then six months later, a three-pound tomb would land on my desk <laughs> and I'd read through the results of the customer survey. Now, it was good data. It was interesting data, but it was a little bit late. I can get that now in real time. I can track right. what's important to my customers, what they like, what they don't like, what keywords they're using. I can use all that information in my product development, in my marketing, in my customer service. This is super powerful, and it's not going away. It's transforming how we market ourselves as companies. Yeah, we definitely – marketing has become a 24-7 verb, not the uh, the thud factor of the noun you talk about. You know, you, you raise – before we go to our break, you raise a – a really important point about the hesita- that has caused some hesitation, I think. I'd love you just to expand a little bit on the thought of control and why corporations often hesitate around social because they think they're going to, quote, lose control. I like that you said you don't have to necessarily lose control. Could you, ex- you know, give us a little more on that? Certainly. There is, you know, for any of us that are over 30 years old and have been in marketing for a long time, you have the sense, historically, we did have control, or we felt that we had absolute control over our brands and our brand meshes. We crafted it and we pushed it out to the marketplace through defined vehicles that we had a really good sense of what was going to happen. If it didn't work the way we planned, we retrenched and we started again. It was a sense of control. Now, because customers can write reviews, they can comment, they can start up their own blogs to talk about you. You've lost that sense of control over what the message is. But it doesn't mean you throw up your hands and you walk away. You still have to define who you are and what makes your brand unique. You have to define that customer experience and build that in the marketplace. But you have to do it in a more collaborative way. You have to let customers in. You have to appreciate what they have to say, positive or negative. Um, And it's very hard in a lot of industries and a lot of companies for CEOs to be willing to give up 
that idea that they have control. Because um, the control is gone now. You know, the social web has taken care of that. But we still have a sense that we can try and control things. And until we understand that we can't and we understand what we need to do to be acceptable in the marketplace today by being more transparent, and transparency really is the, the tough word here, uh, the four-letter word you might say that, that CEOs are, are uncomfortable with today. How much do I share with a customer base? How much should, I, should they know about our issues or our problems internally or our, our materials and where we source them or where we have labor around the world or those kinds of subjects that have historically been hidden quite well? Um, and, what, you know, what's my risk that employees, any employee in this company anywhere could release information that shouldn't be released? Now, that's always been available to employees to do, and generally they don't do it or they're prosecuted. And it's the same issue today, but it just feels more dangerous. And it's getting over that hump, and it's hard to get over that hump. It takes time and experience. But I think CEOs will get there, and CMOs that have been conservative will get there too. I agree with you. We're going to take a short commercial break right now. Please stand by, and we'll be right back with Denise Schiffman and more of the conversation on Market Edge. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. So you're telling me your affiliate program on the local Pages Affiliate Network is performing as well as your handicap? Absolutely. Thanks to their top-tier XML feed, I'm able to monetize all of my traffic. They handle all of my volume to anywhere in the world. Plus, I also get high cost per click and the most exclusive of advertisers to work with. You should join the club. Sounds good. I can't wait to join. But first, let's work on that tee shot. Use the power of local pages with over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings. Let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with localpages.com. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash ontarget. Inbox Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Denise Schiffman, 
famous marketing strategist, founder and CEO of the consultancy Venture Essentials, and most important for today, the author of a great book that you should all pick up, The Age of Engage. Uh, and we're talking about different social media and marketing strategies going forward. Hey, just to shift a little bit, Denise, how come you think B2B companies have been a little slower to adopt social media recently? I, I have a feeling they're going to catch up, but any thoughts you have? Because most people are talking about consumer examples and not the business-to-business world. Well, I think that's a big part of it. The business-to-business examples just aren't as sexy. They aren't as fun and interesting and as easily relatable to as Nike or Coca-Cola and the contests they're running and the great communities um, that they have put up. So we don't really want to talk and get as as excited about maybe a business-to-business activity going on, but I do think there is a huge amount of social media being adopted in business-to-business companies. And we, uh, certainly coming from the computer industry myself, you would expect the computer industries, computer companies to lead in this area, and they have. You have Cisco doing crowdsourcing with their big iPrize project to develop new business ideas. Cisco's on Twitter and YouTube and Flickr. Um, the mining company in Canada, ArcelorMittal, did a huge social media push as they were rebranding the company a year ago after a big merger. You've got HP and IBM and, of course, Sun, what it, what's left of Sun today, um, blogging in volume, tons of blogs coming out of all these companies, many of them very specifically business-to-business blogs. Um, and I think there's a lot happening. And the other thing to recognize about business-to-business companies is, you know, they have channels and um, big partner um, big partner groups in their ecosystem. So they've already set up extra nets, those sort of locked off from the rest of us to see, but outside their internal network where they do, they provide a lot of information to their partners. And they're expanding those extra nets to, be, to have blogs on them, to be more interactive and for their training sessions, um, to get more feedback and maybe tips and ideas. So a lot of that is actually kept private. It's just not as accessible uh, to those of us who are talking about social media. And a lot of it is kept private so that they are more competitive. But the fact is that because there is so much talk about what retail companies are doing by putting um, reviews on their websites of their products, um, we're getting a sense that the consumer-oriented companies are moving much more quickly. Uh, and I think business business is learning from that, too, and learning how they can apply it. Uh, and I think that they are, and I, I think we're going to see a lot more, as you said. What's your view? You know, I was talking with some of the IBM folks the other day, and they're increasingly, you know, whether you call it a gated community, closed, whatever, increasingly interested in building more, as you had sort of mentioned, these almost a passworded uh, set of community, though the content is set up in a social nature. Uh, customers can talk to one another. What's Denise's view of that sort of more closed uh, application of a social feel? Oh, I think absolutely, absolutely. If that fits your audience, the specific audience you're going after, that is exactly the right thing to do. I mean, social in a way is tools to open up conversation and interactions and engagement and loyalty. Um, And it doesn't mean that it has to be completely transparent to the rest of the world. It's just transparent to the audience that you're working with. 
So gated communities make a great deal of sense for lots of companies, especially business-to-business companies, where they don't want their competitors to get that much insight, but they want to share a great deal more, say, with their partners, whether those are developer partners or whether they're um, reseller channel partners. So I think it's brilliant. So, hey, let's uh, switch again about... um how about, you know, blogging? You blog. Um, I know you tweet. Uh, you have any preferences, blogging to tweeting? Or, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what's that's, been your experience? You know? that's, a, that's a good question. It really is. Because I, you know, I blogged for a long time now, and I've had several different blogs. And, um, you know, I have those days where I'm super creative, and I write three blog posts in a row, and then for a couple weeks, it's a little more dry, and I don't blog as much. And I'm not one of those people who writes pithy short blogs. I write strategy. I write. I like to get people to think about the situation they're in and help them out and give advice and have lots of links and images and, and things that really help someone who reads the blog. Um, so those take a lot longer to write. Twitter, it's just so instantaneous, it's addictive. For people like me who like to communicate, it just you can't help it. I check Twitter several times a day. Um, I can so easily, you know, link to something that's valuable um, to my audience there, and I can get immediate, instantaneous feedback from a number of people who will, you know, either retreat it or respond to me or make a comment, give me feedback. Even when I post a blog post I've just written on Twitter, I get comments on Twitter rather than on the blog now. So it's sort of an interesting dynamic for me, and I, I just love the instantaneous behavior of Twitter, and it's... It's definitely impacting my blogging. I probably blog a little bit less now. Um, but I think overall for people, you know, Twitter is a positive for blogging because so many more people are passing around links to blog posts. It gives a lot more expo- exposure to blog posts um, than before. Should we care if Twitter finds a financial model, or is it more – because uh, I like it too, or is it more just like the evolution of communication or email, and maybe people shouldn't try to keep telling them to find a financial model? <laughs> Denise, thanks for being with us on Market Edge today. Thank you. And I do encourage all of the listeners to go out and uh, and buy The Age of Engage. Uh, it really is a, a first-rate book on social media and marketing. That's it for today's Market Edge conversation. Thanks for everybody for listening, and tune in again in two weeks at 12 noon Eastern Time at webmasterradio.fm, and we'll do this all again. This is Larry Weber, uh, chairman of W2, and your host on Market Edge. Till next time, bye-bye.